CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Get caught up on this week's top stories from The Hash Crew. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Monday's top story. All right, I think I have the next story of the day. I will take it and I will run with it. We are going to turn to the banking sector. Metropolitan Bank is nuking its crypto business. Remember when crypto was really hot and a bunch of banks rushed to service the sector? Well, crypto's not so hot anymore. FTX imploded. Regulators are warning banks not to deal with this stuff. And in turn, banks are not dealing with this stuff. Metropolitan Bank is one of those. They had about four or five, I think, uh, institutional crypto customers. They said, you know what? This is more trouble than it's worth. We're, we're just nuking the crypto aspect of our business. Them, uh, I think, uh, Customers Bank here in Pennsylvania, several others sort of rushed to fill this niche. And now we're seeing some, as evidenced by Metropolitan, rushing to exit it. What does it all mean? This is obviously a crypto winter story. The tourists seem to be leaving from the banking sector. I toss it to Will. What do you got? Yes, yeah, brings me back to 2020 when we're talking about a lot of different exchanges or a lot of different exchanges going to banks and a lot of different banks coming to the crypto sector trying to court new customers, right? Because this was the talk of the town at that time. This was institutions coming into crypto, banks coming into crypto, everyone wanting to be above board and regulated. And so there was a lot of talk of you have Coinbase, which bank are you going to end up with and which bank are you going to court? which bank is going to accept you. These were things that dominated headlines in 2020 and 2021. Now we're post-bull, we're looking to bear market and banks are, hmm, maybe that wasn't the best idea to get involved with that industry because there's a lot of uh, hyper-financialization, a lot of Ponzi schemes, and a lot of wreckage and carnage. They just don't want to be a part of. Another headline we have here from the block talks about three federal regulators issuing warnings to the banking sector about their involvement with crypto. That's the Federal Reserve, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, and the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation all put out a warning recently saying, maybe don't be involved with crypto right now, or if you are going to be involved with it, make sure you are working with a team that is above board and following regulations. This, of course, comes after FTX, right? Because FTX talks so much about being uh, regulated, talks so much about being compliant, and at the end of the day, they were not. And that's why customers are not whole at this moment. So I think this is a lot of the further FTX contagion. And Jen, just like the last story, we are going to see this over the next two years or so, Mm -hmm. just continue to be the talk of everyone. Throw it up to Wendy, though, for your take. So it's really frustrating to see... I forget what what agency it was that came out and said, "Don't, um, don't offer crypto services unless you're working with a very experienced team. This is so frustrating to me because 
how are people supposed to have experience with crypto regulation when we really don't have any? I'm going to say that again. How are we supposed to work with an experienced team? How's a big business supposed to work with an experienced team if there's no real crypto regulation in play? We have some, but again, like FTX was supposed to be one of the most heavily regulated exchanges and look what happened. So it's very frustrating for me to see this continue to happen. Regulators have done nothing. And at the same time, I think it's very, I understand why the banks are starting to exit from crypto because there's so much risk right now with all the craziness. But at the same time, it's kind of lazy behavior because we're pretty positive there's going to be another bull market and they're going to have to go through this entire process again when the bull market comes. However, they could be doing this to help save some money and not get in any trouble. I don't know. I think it's stupid. Zach? Yeah, I mean, on the commercial side, right? Silvergate also is looking real bad right now. So I guess uh, in the wake of that, it makes sense that some of the smaller players, again, this is a small slice of their business. You know, They make sure that that fact is known in the press release announcing their thing. But in the wake of Silvergate also getting hammered in the public markets, a lot of these commercial banks are looking for the exits. That said, like some of the big boys like Fidelity are actually really ramping up their crypto offering, right? They have Fidelity Crypto. They're putting it in your brokerage account. That's long sort of been a dream of a lot of Bitcoin advocates to at least have some version of highly custodial crypto in uh, the brokerage accounts of retiree, aspiring retirees everywhere, right? So I think that uh, we have this interesting moment where there's some smaller players in the banking sector who are obviously leaving because there's too much risk. While at the same time, some of the bigger players potentially are doubling down on what their crypto offerings end up looking like. So I think to me, that's sort of the interesting thing is the folks who stay, the folks who go, the tourists, the natives. It's a dynamic that we see play out time and time again with these cycles. And certainly this appears to be the case of this happening again. Uh, Jen, any last thoughts on this one? Yeah, that was exactly my question. What's going to happen to the Fidelities and the JP Morgans? Because I remember not long ago, I was thinking, you know, despite what's happening, in this market, the banks are still here, the, the institutions are still here. And I think that's a really good sign. But now we're seeing these smaller banks, boards, look at what's going on, looking at what regulators are saying and saying, you know what, this is maybe just a little too risky for me. I wonder what that means for crypto companies. We keep referring to what's going on now as biddle season. There are a lot of companies popping up, a lot of companies getting funding from VCs and other sources, and they need a place to put their money. I wonder what that means for them. I recently was opening up a small business bank account. And one of the questions that the bank asked me was, are you involved in crypto in any way? And I said, you know, like, what does that mean? Can you give me more information? The person asking me had no idea what it meant or even what was involved in, in crypto. And they weren't able to give me any further information on what that meant. And so these like really broad terms, um, I think are, are there so that they can pick and choose whose accounts they're going to keep and whose accounts they're not and whose accounts they're just going to freeze and send you an email and say, actually, we don't offer services for you anymore. But it's really frustrating when the people you're talking to on the other end of the phone actually don't know what's going on. Zach? Yeah, you like check like the drugs and arms dealing boxes and then like no crypto. And they're like, okay, you're good. You're good. But if you check you're the crypto okay. box, yeah. like but you're in trouble. Like, over for you. It's not happening. But literally, yeah. couldn't that lead to redlining though? Like I really feel that that could lead to redlining and other issues because if you're just like, you're looking at the person and the person's like, okay, well, like ask the question that Jen said. Like, what do you mean by this? And then they're like, you know, I don't like the way you look. So you're not going to get an account with us because you asked a question about crypto. I feel like that's going to end up being a big problem. And I don't like it. They need to get their stuff together. That was a good one. Well, I was just going to say, if you talk to people in financial services, the chatter is that a lot of people see this moment as an opportunity to uh, ensconce themselves, some of the bigger players into this market, the fidelities, et cetera, who are seeing this as a moment of opportunity. But again, there's other players who obviously are taking the alternate path. Tuesday's top story. Got some fresh drama in the spat between DCG and 
Gemini. Will, take it away. Our heads are moving, but the Winklevoss wants some heads to roll. See what it did there? Pretty nice, right? The Winklevoss wow. came out this morning with a really nice letter <laughs> at Barry Silbert, the CEO of DCG, which also owns Coindesk as disclosure, saying, we need this guy out. We need him out. So they wrote this very long letter, about four pages long. They posted it to Twitter, just like they did a few days ago, a few weeks ago at this point, a prior letter saying, hey, we need to engage with conversations with DCG in order to rectify the situation for Gemini Earn customers. This morning, they escalated a little bit, saying that the board needs to remove DCG CEO Barry Silbert immediately in order to rectify the situation for customers. Just as a recap, back in November, we saw that Genesis Trading and Lending halted withdrawals on its platform due to a hole in its balance sheet and liquidity issues. Gemini Earn, which has about $900 million under management, had to also withdraw or hold withdrawals to its customers because they were using Genesis to power their application. So now we're seeing like a little more fighting on Twitter. Wendy, I know you love this stuff. You love seeing the titans of the crypto industry, but heads, what's your take on the story? So, okay, they need to figure things out. I do appreciate the fact that they do want to kind of do this publicly. But again, you guys, at the same time, this is literally like um, Chase Bank and Wells Fargo CEOs like going head to head in real life on Twitter. You would never see that happen in a million years. So it does make our industry look a little bit crass. However, I'm here for the drama. I'm 100% for it. But at the same time, there's people's livelihoods that are going to be impacted by this. I don't understand why Cameron from Gemini is calling for Barry to step down from DCG board. It doesn't really make sense to me. I feel like that's kind of like a spectacle-esque part of it. I don't think that's necessary. And I don't think that's going to solve the problem. The way to solve the problem is to actually address the problem instead of you know, arguing and whatnot. I would love to give this over to Zach for his take. Yeah, it's a pretty spicy letter. The word fraud is thrown around quite a bit. And I think what's alleged here is just an intertangling of business interests that led to some bad stuff in the market. And I think Gemini is feeling the pain as it relates to its earned program. It should be said, DCG is out here on Twitter saying that this is a publicity stunt. This is some garbage. So, you know, they definitely are putting some words back toward Cameron here. But yeah, the allegations of fraud and the allegations of if Genesis were an independent business from the DCG empire, it wouldn't be doing this stuff. And it all comes down to the grayscale trade that really bit three arrows in the behind and has since bit many more in the behind as well. So the fact that this was intertangled with some of DCG's other business interests is to me what is the foundational allegation in this, again, pretty provocative letter, sort of laying out what Gemini claims to be the facts of the case at this point in time. So that to me, I think is potentially why uh, the call is so strong to remove Barry Silbert from the head of DCG, right? They're saying, hey, board, take some action, take some action now. It does uh, escalate the finger pointing here in this instance. The feuding is definitely ramping up, going up a notch. I don't know if the DCG board is going to take action on this, but it's going to be really fascinating to see how this unfolds beyond just sort of the retort tweet that we've seen from the DCG handle. Wendy, I'll toss it to you though. I just not understanding, like I get it, but at the same time, it's like, you can't tell other people what to do and you can't tell other people how to run their business. Like they can't just remove him from the board just because Gemini says you need to do that. Like I know that they've partnered, they've done business before, but that just kind of seems really ridiculous. And again, they need to like address the actual problem. Yes, everybody kind of knew the risks about, you know, the earned features and different stuff like that. But at the same time, I will say that Gemini did a really, really good job letting customers know exactly what that was. I did use that product and it literally told you, like you're moving your crypto over here. This is not Gemini's company. It's like, you know, somebody we're partnered with. So I understood that it was going to a separate entity and it wasn't part of Gemini, even though it was marketed as Gemini Earn because I read the actual disclosures that popped up. So 
Billionaires, gazillionaires going to beef. Jen, give us your take, though, please. So Cameron is accusing DCG of some accounting malpractice here. I think that's why he's asking for Barry Silbert to step down. I think when we see these conversations play out in the public, it tells me two things. One, that there is maybe some frustration behind closed doors. They're not getting the answers that they hope to get from all of the parties involved. And this is maybe a last resort. And two, I think that he wants to show the Gemini Earn users that he is doing everything in his power to hold parties, stakeholders accountable for what is happening to their funds. Because users are out here saying, you know, I don't have access to my funds anymore. What's going on? They're not privy to the conversations that are happening behind closed doors. And so I think that this could also be a little bit of a communication strategy to get out there on Twitter, publish these open letters and say, hey, Gemini users, we're doing everything we can to get you access to your funds. And that includes asking very powerful CEOs to step down. Zach, I think I saw your hand go up. I was just going to say it's probably represents a pretty fractured relationship if they're airing it out in public at this point, right? If this is what it's resulted to, just this sort of public spat probably suggests that behind the scenes, the process has broken down pretty significantly so that we're publishing, you know, open letters to DCG board in this Mm -hmm. instance. Probably the relationship there with what's going on behind the scenes um, has taken a turn for the worse. That's just pure speculation. But typically when these things go public like that, it's sort of a last resort. But Will, I'll give you the last word on this one before we change gears. Yeah, really quickly, I just want to mention the details are in this letter and everyone should go read it if you're interested in the storyline. Is that the mechanics of what happened here actually go back to May and June. So a lot of people are focusing on what happened with FTX in November. But this trade specifically occurred back in May and June, where Genesis, DCG, Grayscale, Gemini, all these firms were involved with a company called Three Arrows Capital that went belly up. And everything that's happening right now is because Three Arrows Capital's thesis went wrong and went sideways in a very spectacular fashion. And now everyone's trying to figure out how to get out of this mess. And I think it really sheds a bad light on top of a lot of people who were working with uh, Three Arrows Capital, DCG, Genesis, Gemini. They were looking for yield. And they're looking for yield in a world that didn't have a lot of yield, right? Interest rates are at 0%. And they were looking for yield aggressively wherever they could. Uh, I think Gem- Gemini had like 7% yield or so. Uh, Wendy can fact check me there if she wants. But 7% in a world where everything else is 0%. That's the reason that all of this went belly up. But we'll move on to the next story. Throw it over to Jen. Wednesday's top story. We're going to go to Hollywood. All right. Gala Games deleted a tweet on Monday that announced a partnership with Hollywood Heavyweights. The tweet said that the company was working with The Rock, also known as Dwayne Johnson and Mark Wahlberg. The company's offered no explanation as to why the tweet appeared and then why it was deleted. Their token gala jumped over 70%. Now, this all happened at the beginning of the week. The token's now about 20% lower, but up 130% for the month. Small disclosure, I contribute to a gaming DAO, so... Oh, I love Web3 Gaming. Wendy, I'm going to toss this off to you. What do you make of this from a trading perspective? What's going on with the token? So full disclosure, I own a buttload of Gala and I have worked with them in the past. So full disclosure there. So this is one of the projects we kind of talked about when we're analyzing like price action. And the reason why it's super important, because a lot of people think that it's okay to go ahead and chase green candles, especially after like 100% pump. This is not something you want to do, especially in a bear market like this. Yes, you can have bullish continuation, but if you have no idea what you're doing, 
you want to be very, very careful when you're chasing a green candle because generally what happens when you in the bear market, when you get that green candle pump, you get a reversal and you drop down. I think the all-time high for Gala, this mini run was like five cents and then it dropped a little bit, which is fine. That's normal. That's healthy. But at the same time, from a trader's perspective, you want to be really, really weary and careful when these types of things run like that. However, a lot of the metaverse and gaming tokens, those have been showing really great price action as well. So it's not just Gala. It was kind of like a, that entire segment was doing well. So as a trader's perspective, that's what I would pay attention to. And that's also why I don't like dollar cost averaging for altcoins is because yeah, I did a video on this yesterday on my channel. Go check it out if you want. Sorry, I'm shameless promotion here, self-promotion here. But um, Zach, got, hey, it was an important video, man. It's going to show you how to not get wrecked. <laughs> why dollar cost averaging is not good for altcoins. <laughs> I just like the photo selection. Can we get the rock photo back up there real quick? Like, first of all, the guy is massive. Second of all, it kind of looks like hide the pain Harold. You know the meme where it's like the old guy and he's like smiling, but he's like, pain. Very nice. I saw Will probably actually had an insightful comment. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dish it to him. Will, save me. Yeah, I got a few thoughts for you. One, love that we have another Omkar story. Omkar, go to play everybody. One of the best writers out there on trading topics. And he has a nice little quip in this talking about the funding rates for this market for the Gala token. He says, the funding rates in the perpetual futures market tied to the Gala token were profoundly negative early Wednesday, indicating a bearish bias in the market. So I just want to bring that up because I love that statement, profoundly negative. It's rare that you see something that direct in some sort of trading article because things are not often that bad. Things can be very bad for this token, which I think just kind of brings out like, the bear market theme, right? It doesn't matter who you're involved with. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It's a bear market for a lot of altcoins and it's going to be profoundly negative for quite a while. So regardless if you're a good project or not, I think that's just sort of the time we're in. I don't have a lot of comment on the rock stuff. We saw a lot of that happen last two years where a lot of teams tried to work with celebrities and they didn't pan out. So to me, that just kind of seems like so-so it happens. Jen, I'll throw it over to you for last comment. Yeah, I want to just mention another part of the tweet. So this deleted tweet said that under the partnership, you'd be able to scan a QR code in the Gala ecosystem to buy movie tickets and then win digital prizes on Netflix. I mean, I think that sounds pretty cool. I have so many questions about what could be in the works and how many notable names maybe were in the works to work on something with Gala that has since fallen through because of the state of the industry. And so, I don't know, that sounds like a really cool user experience to me. I can imagine bopping around in a game and scanning QR code to get some like movie tickets. It's like real life and digital life coming together as one. Wendy, say something smarter and finish us off here. <laughs> All I'm going to say, it might not be smarter, but I do know the team really well. They're good friends of mine. And they, a lot of these guys came from like traditional gaming and traditional entertainment. So they actually do have a lot of the connections that that, that is there. As far as the, you know, the closing of the deals and whatnot, I don't know how that stuff goes. That's all. I don't have anything smarter to add to this conversation today, but I will actually, I do. I will. Price does not equate to utility, okay? When you're talking about altcoins and Bitcoin, price doesn't equate to utility. So just because you have really, really great utility with the project doesn't mean that number is going to go up, especially in this type of market. So pay attention, folks. There you go. Shout out to the lawyers on this one. I think the lawyers got the upper hand. So point lawyers. They're like, this tweet is out. I don't know if this is fully vetted, inked, signed, sealed, delivered. The tweet's got to go. Shout out to the lawyers. Thursday's top story. We got plenty to get to today, starting with another crypto lender in some hot water. Will. That's right, Zach. And it's not because of a lending scheme or anything of that sort at this moment. It's actually because of AML, uh, KYC laws over in Bulgaria. 
questions around Nexo Finance's compliance with KYC laws. Uh, according to new reports, especially on Facebook is what we're seeing, actually, there's a uh, Bulgarian government is looking into the KYC compliance of Nexo Finance, a pretty large lending provider out there, saying that there might even be some terrorist activity or terrorist-linked organizations on top of Nexo Finance. This comes, of course, after a lot of these bigger lenders collapsed during the last year. We can actually throw up the graphic right here in a second. We see that... Oh, Nexo has a pretty complex scheme in terms of how it gets a lot of its rewards and yield for people who are using the application. And that has led to a lot of people thinking, well, maybe they're the next crypto company to falter. Uh, we see Celsius has collapsed. It's pretty complex. So a lot of people have been looking at them saying like, hey, maybe these are the next guys to falter. Uh, maybe this is the next Celsius, the next Voyager. But we're seeing in this story that's a little bit different. Actually, there's more than just uh, risks on the lending side, there's risks with KYC, there's risks with different governments. Nexo Finance put out a few statements this morning, actually taking to Twitter, saying that it's pretty unfortunate that Bulgarian police have moved so aggressively against them, saying that it's uh, unfair in a lot of different ways. Jen, I want to throw the story over to you, get your take on what's happening here. So I zeroed in on what the attorney general said. He said that evidence has been collected that a person who used the platform and transferred cryptocurrencies has been officially declared a terrorist financing person. I think that, you know, I would love to hear more information here. When did this person use the platform? Did they provide authentic documentation and authentic information in, in the KYC process? Uh, it, they said that authorities kind of bombarded the office. It sounds a little bit extreme under the guise of tax and money laundering. The use of the word terrorist just reminds me what we hear in North America, right? When a lot of our politicians talk about investigations into crypto exchanges and crypto lenders right here in North America, they often use the words terrorists and money laundering and tax evasion. And so I wasn't surprised to see that. I want to reference the tweets, the Twitter thread, Will, that you brought up in your intro there. Nexo said that they have more than 30 AML compliance officers uh, and they work with Chainalysis to kind of really understand the history of the customers on their platform and where money is coming and going from. And so it will be interesting to see what comes out of here. Unfortunately, I think that authorities are using what's happening in the industry to act maybe in a way that they wouldn't act if this wasn't a company that interacted with crypto. But Adam, what do you think? It was a rough 2022 for crypto lenders. It looks like 2023 is getting off to a start with, uh, frankly, much of the same thing. Uh, it's, I think, interesting to see that they've survived to this point when many of their competitors in the space had an increasingly difficult time. Again, what we saw kind of in the early days is that people always want to be able to deposit their tokens somewhere and then get, earn yield on them, right? Earn more money with the money that they already have. What we saw was that in kind of the, the early days of the bull market, there were lots of opportunities and that was really, really uh, an easier task to deliver on. Companies can make a lot of money doing it. As the bull market kind of wore on, those opportunities sort of wore themselves out and the companies, frankly, grew too large to do that. So Nexo's somewhat complex scheme, uh, just by not having kind of run into those problems, I think demonstrates that they've done a somewhat better job or at least not a catastrophically bad job as perhaps some of the other uh, companies that are out there uh, who did not survive, you know, uh, have now gotten to this point. So it's interesting to see this. I think, again, the key word in all of this is allegations. Um, you know, at the point that we actually start to see some evidence come forward, uh, Jen, what you said there in terms of the you know purported thing that they did wrong, that feels like that's a real small issue to me. 
uh, relative to the scope of the platform and the overall project. So I'm kind of in a wait and see mode on this one, curious to see what evidence comes out and I'll make a decision in terms of how I feel about it at that point. Zach, what do you think? I was going to say for this to be the Nexo headline is actually pretty good for Nexo. Everyone's been speculating that Nexo was potentially the next crypto lender to collapse. Hey, if some overzealous Bulgarian authorities are bringing up these charges and raiding the office on potential AML uh, or anti-terrorist financing charges, that could be the least of their worries, I think, in this broader environment where a lot of crypto lenders took on extremely risky behaviors and ultimately led to their downfall from Genesis to Celsius, you name it, BlockFi, right? These folks are in dire straits. And if Nexo is just dealing, and it's funny to say that, just dealing with this Bulgarian pro from law enforcement authorities over there, maybe that's a good sign relative to the broader state of the crypto lending industry. CFI is blowing up. And right now, Nexo is still standing somehow. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see if this uh, leads to their undoing or if this is just something that's a bit more procedural as it relates to complying with money laundering rules. You've been listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.